And we're back. That was Lainey Lou and the Bird Dogs playing us in. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. No Brent. Where's Brent? We fired him. <laughs> you fired. <laughs> no. <laughs> Brent, uh, Brent put his family first and had to go to a wedding in Oregon this weekend. So we uh, gave him the uh, week off. We'll talk more about that. Who gets married in October? Um, wonderful people get married in October. <laughs> Before we get started, we want to talk about the Montana Mint Sports Podcast. It's hosted by Hot Take Nate and Bear Tycoon. With a little bit of Montana Parlay sprinkled in there. So you can check out that podcast right on the main channel here. We go about every other. They post a podcast a week. We post a podcast a week. They kind of cover the Big Sky Conference writ large. Maybe focus a little bit more on the Bobcats. Yep, we do solely Grizz with a little bit of Cats mixed in. I think a little bit more detailed. But check them out. They're good, they're fun, and uh, they're part of the family. Montana Mint Sports Podcast. All right, Mike. First things are first. Let's hit some fan mail. <laughs> we got our first piece of fan mail. I would like to say before we start, like... The interactions that some of you are starting to do with us on Twitter are kind of fun, and I appreciate that. But... I'm I'm not into fan mail just yet. So, (laughs) I get an email today from the venerable Bonzi Driftwood. Do you know Bonzi? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that uh, Bonzi and and Berto Kavanaugh have a lot in common, and that they're uh, both real people with fake names. So, Bonzi essentially, you know, says, hey guys, he's got some thoughts. Let's just read it. All right. <laughs> this is from Bonzi Driftwood, who, by the way, has a Hotmail account. Um, so, he's over 35. <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive. It says, hi guys, I just had some thoughts on the Grizz game and I wanted to share them. It was nice to see the Grizz come out strong on the road instead of slow. Full stop. Agreed. Agreed. We're, we're good with him there. All right. <laughs> they were able to put together a great game. That's what I've been looking for out of this team. I also agree. So stop there, Bonzi. We're good with you. Love Bonzi. Love Bonzi. No, he goes on. No. Speaking of starting off slow, I need to give Brent a shout out here. Mike stumbles out of the gate and never recovers like Montana teams from the Stitt era did on the road. Brent is so clutch at covering up for all of Mike's mistakes, and he might as well speak for both of them, except for when Mike does the check down. I also love Luke and his little inputs to the pod. Go look Luke and Brent and go Grizz. Love, Bonzi Driftwood. I mean, he said something nice about me, so I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh! He, he compared you to Stitt's inability to close on the road. Oh, it hurts so much because I saw so many of those road games in person. Oh. Well, Bonzi, thanks for being our first. And, uh, Bonzi, I'm pretty sure that I know you uh, for a couple reasons, but this isn't over. <laughs> and with that, let's get on to stuff that actually matters. So the Grizz on the road. Yeah, hey, you know, they... They took care of business on the road. They beat Cal Poly 48-28, which is awesome. Before we jump into the game, I mean, I definitely think, got to give them a little bit of credit because I think two weeks ago on this pod, I might have said, I don't think Cal Poly's a win until they prove that Cal Poly's a win. 
because we've been so frustrated with Cal Poly. But honestly, that was post-Bobby Houck. So, Bobby Houck's back. Grizz beat Cal Poly. This is the second game in a row when the Grizz scored more than 40 points. And they did it on the road against a team they've historically struggled against. I am officially like jacked up about this Grizz team. You know, there's so many traits that they're showing us that the previous year's teams just didn't have. Even with the same players, right? I mean, they've got fight. They don't seem to get knocked down. If they get knocked down, they get back up. They're not rattled on the road now, so far. You gotta like that, but I mean, you, you look at their two road games, and yeah, I mean, things fell apart at Western Illinois, but they've actually shown up for two road games, which is like one more than they did in the entire Stitt era. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, when you think back at this Grizz game, beyond like the broad generalities of just, hey, they showed up on the road, like what specific performance indicators were you super pleased to see? You know, the biggest thing I was pleased to see, honestly, was that we took advantage of our scoring opportunities and we got out front and kind of put the game on our terms. The Grizz never trailed, and I think that's big against an option team. Yeah, Cal Poly got tons of yards, and we'll talk about that, but they, we were never behind. So it was like Cal Poly was the one that always had to be kind of trying to make something happen. Right. I really like that we established a ground game. Yeah. You know, without Sneed. Yeah. So we haven't seen that yet. Sneed has been the biggest rusher in all of our games. But for the first time, we didn't rely on Sneed to chew up some yards in the ground. Eastwood had a breakout game. I think you and maybe Brent even really called for like this to be the game that Eastwood gets established. Mm-hmm. And we saw it. Do you think the offensive line has come into their own a little bit and matured? Well, I think the first thing we have to say is that Cal Poly's probably not the best defensive front we've faced this year. Probably probably the worst. Probably the worst. But that being said, the way that our offensive line got pushed around at times in the first couple games, like you kind of had to feel like, boy, are we going to put this performance up against anybody? And they dominated. I mean, you the hole on Eastwood's long touchdown run was huge. I mean, I could have ran through it. I would have been tackled a few yards after it, but, you know, I could have run through the hole. Just speculation. How many yards would you have got on that run? <laughs> um, with closing speed of an average FCS linebacker, I'm going to say three and a half. Yeah, three and a half yards. You'd have pulled up with a hamstring injury. <laughs> Thrown a jersey on a kid walking into the tunnel. Yep, you know, that's it. Just go out on top. That was a big run for me. For me, I thought the offensive line was clearly better than this defensive line they were facing. But sometimes on the road, you play down. Yeah. We have a young offensive line. And sometimes they don't show up correct. But they took care of business when they needed to. And that's a big positive sign. Oh, huge positive sign. And I think you hit the nail on the head that... You know, even if you're playing a bad team, like, you have to execute. And we can look at ske- look at the schedule and look at teams and think, oh, you know, so-and-so is not very good against the pass, so we're going to pass all over him. Well, hypothetically, Cal Poly could have been looking at it and been like, their O-line's terrible, we're going to get pressure, but they didn't. So we were able to, to stand up. Sneed had time in the pocket. But there were a couple passes in the second half where it's like, he stood back there for three or four seconds, it seemed like. It was impressive stuff. So we start out the game <clears throat> with the ball, and we put together a pretty nice little drive there. We went 11 plays, 3 minutes and 45 seconds. We kind of stalled. Yep, 48 but, yards. 
come away with a field goal. Yep. Semenza kicks a field goal. Semenza, by the way, now has enough field goal attempts to qualify for the all-time statistical records at UM. I think the minimum is 20, but I could be wrong on that. And he is the most accurate field goal kicker in UM history. Do you know what he is? he like 18 for 20? Um, I'll have for 20? I'll look, before the end of the pod, I'll tell you. But I mean, it's... But he's, he's 10, like 10 for 10 this year. Yeah, he's 10 for 10 this year. And he's like, he's like 83.5% or something like that. I love that Timmy's got more confidence. And I think that Hauk has really helped him. I do have to think that Timmy is fairly high up the missed extra point all-time list as well. But that <laughs> seems to have been righted. So far, like, we've had a couple weeks in a row now where yep. he's been flawless, and I want to carry that momentum forward. I think he will carry that momentum forward. I just knocked on wood, so we'll be all right. What kind of wood is this? <laughs> I don't know. It's Amish. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, it was some furniture line made by the Amish. Oh, so it's built to last. <laughs> just like Semenza's leg. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, they, they lead off with a field goal, but they own the first quarter. So they get the ball back. In a big way. Yeah, awesome way. Our long snapper buddy, O'Donohue. <laughs> you, you and Brent are high on O'Donohue. Well, what, you tell me the last time you heard of a long snapper running down the field and recovering the fumble. Listen, Aaron Held had a lot of hustle in him. <laughs> Do you remember Aaron Held? No. How can you not remember Aaron oh, Held? Wait, I remember Aaron Held now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was such a nice guy, super smart, and brilliantly accurate. This is where we need to tell all of you hardcore Grizz fans that Aaron Held was a long snapper for the Grizz for several seasons, because most of you had no idea who he was. Never missed snap. Perfect. (laughs) He could have went to Sac State. He said, nope. Let me ask you a question. Did Aaron Held ever in a season, or in his career, I'll give him his career, have a recovered fumble and catch a two-point conversion? I don't think he did. No. <laughs> but anyway, that's awesome. So they fumble the punt. O'Donohue gets down there, recovers it. We're on like the seven-yard line. Two plays later, who catches a touchdown pass? Gabe Solser. Second touch yeah. of his career. Second touchdown of his career. Now I'm going to look at the um, box score real quick here. I don't know how many more touches he got. I mean, he is... <laughs> I think he had two more catches, maybe. So he's no longer on pace to score a touchdown every time he touches the ball. Fun fact about Gabe. I heard this weekend that he was a part of that Billings team that made a run at the Little League World Series five or six years ago. Do you remember that? I do remember that. That was awesome. And I think there's a couple guys on the team that now, on the Grizz team, that were part of that run. He's a winner. It's also crazy to think that I feel old because those guys looked like really, really little kids when that was starting, and now they're playing for the Grizz. To be fair, I've seen Gabe, and he still looks like a little, <laughs> little kid. But awesome. But boy, is he fast. And now I maybe have started to turn. Let's burn that red shirt, man. Well, that's the thing. Like If they're going to use him as much as they did in Cal Poly, I'm okay with it. Like My, my thing is like if you're going to burn a red shirt, like, use him. Like, take advantage of it. So, it's exciting, and I think it, it allows us to have an offense where teams can't key on Louis McGee. Because if you've got Louis McGee and Sulcer on at the same time, I think that opens up the playbook a little bit. So, now we're up 10-0. Cal Poly gets the ball back, and... They put together a pretty good drive. I mean, 
14 plays, 56 yards, held it for 6 minutes and 16 seconds. A prototypical Cal Poly scoring drive. And it's like during that drive, I'm sitting there watching it thinking, all right, now we're getting into a normal Cal Poly game where it's like they don't really care about the other team. They just go do their thing and hope to make mistakes. But... So you mentioned last week that Cal Poly had a boatload of fumbles on the season. Yep. Maybe 14. Yeah, a ton of fumbles, and we got to take advantage of it. So we already took advantage of one with the punt. So on the triple option, the quarterback passes up Prothrow, runs down the line, and decides, i got to pitch the ball. Yep. Pitches it out. What's it, what happens? He pitches it, and it hits the uh, running back in the head. Right off the face mask. Right off the face mask. Bounces off the face mask, right into Josh Buss's hands who just takes off 80 yards down the field for a touchdown. Untouched. Untouched. Completely ruins a drive that included five first downs. And six minutes plus a time. And turns it into a 17-0 game. Yep. I mean, it's crazy. So at this point in the first quarter, the Cal Poly has held the ball for eight minutes or something like that. They have two turnovers, zero points. Grizz are up 17 to nothing. And then the announcers start pissing me off. <laughs> the announcers were terrible. They were like, well, this game be pretty close if Cal Poly didn't make mistakes. I'm like, yeah, but that's what the game is about. You make mistakes, and if the other team capitalizes on them, you lose. Yep. And I would say, like, if Cal Poly came into that game having not been a turnover machine, and they make all those, it's like, I'll give the announcers that. It's like, they're being... You know, they're not playing their normal game. But it's like, no, that is who Cal Poly is this year. <laughs> Just not very good. So, Cal Poly kind of answers in, you know, their own special way of kind of a 16-play, 71-yard, 6-minute drive. 6 minutes and 13 seconds. And there's that damn Joe Prothero. I mean, 6-year senior. And it's nothing sexy. So I'm going to kind of just read this out for you, Mike, and his fans. But it goes, six-yard rush, three-yard rush, two-yard rush, four-yard rush, pass incomplete, six yards, three yards, four yards, all rushes, seven-yard rush, incomplete pass, two, six, nine, three, two, seven. Like, there's nothing sexy about this. They just grind it out. Yep. It's hard to stop. It culminates in a Joe Prothrow touchdown, and now it's 17-7. 17-7, yeah. What's great is... The Grizz, as we're kind of getting used to this year, they, they respond. They come out, four plays, 78 yards, a minute 58. Sammy Akem catches a ball, 54-yard touchdown. I love that whole entire, that short series. Mm-hmm. On the play that Akem scores, Cal Poly drops back in coverage, and the O-line gives Sneed a minute of time yeah. in the pocket, right? Yeah. It seemed like forever. I mean, obviously, we'll be facetious with a minute before anybody jumps all over Luke. <laughs> but uh, Bonsai, I'm looking right at you. Um, but it's true. I mean, he had time. And it wasn't like a, a deep pass, but it was a good throw. He hits him. A Kem makes a move, gets scores a touchdown. I mean, it's like it's what we need to be doing. I think it shows maybe maybe it doesn't show the maturity of Sneed. Uh, I'm kind of prone to using that word because we haven't seen a lot of pocket passing from Sneed, but. Uh, my inclination is to think if he doesn't see the receiver open right away, he's going he's gonna to scamper. And it took time for this play to develop, and he stuck in there, uh, delivered a great pass. So I guess I'm just really excited 
to see that he has this in him. Yep. Yeah, it's great. You know, I'm excited for how he's developing. I think they're working on Torre and Sneed, but I, I, I'm liking that. So we score a touchdown. Cal Poly has six-play, 18-yard drive, and punts. The Grizz come back out, three plays, eight yards, and punt. But then Cal Poly gets a, a drive together, gets first down, and then goes for it on fourth down on their own, what, 46? Yep. So in Cal Poly territory, they go for it, and the Grizz stop them, which is awesome. You know, I mean, that's such a big deal, especially against a team they've struggled with like this. It was the second time that game, they went for it on fourth and one, and the second time that Dante Olsen was in on a tackle. I mean, the Grizz defense showed up, Dante Olsen showed up in a big way, and talk about turning the momentum, or maybe in this case, preventing any momentum from starting. Yeah, two things right there. I mean, one, the stat line's awful. Like, the Grizz gave up 400 yards rushing, but... You know, we've talked about it before, stats are for losers sometimes, because the Grizz got stops in big places. They had a few fourth down stops, and it's like this team was playing from behind all game. So it's like Cal Poly, they know who they are, and that's who they are. So they need to keep running their offense. And I'm thinking, you know, at that point, Cal Poly was losing 24-7, right? Mm-hmm. There's two minutes left in the half, and if they don't go for it, they they have to know the Grizz are going to score. I mean, the Grizz have been moving the ball pretty well, but I think that they're probably thinking if we don't get points here, we have no chance. So it's like I think the coach knew I have to go. They get stopped. The Grizz four plays, forty six yards, thirty five seconds, <laughs> uh, score another touchdown. Who scored it? None other than your Big Sky Fantasy Sports hero. Matt Rensvold, baby. <laughs> I mean, he's delivering, right? Yeah. What's crazy is, so that's two weeks in a row where two freshmen have each scored a t- I mean, this team is crazy with how young some of the guys are. They're going to burn his red shirt, too. I think he redshirted last year, didn't he? Did, I could be wrong. Well, who cares? But either way, I mean, he's, he's part of the rotation. Coming into the year, I thought, who are our tight ends? You know, uh, Colin Bingham. Colin Bingham and, and who? And who? I don't know, but Rensvold is a player. Yep, and Deming. I mean, what's kind of cool, it's like you watch that game, we had several different times where we had three tight end sets. I mean, you, you can't under, undersell the coaching job for these guys. And it's like, yeah, I know we had the H back in Stitt's offense, and it wasn't exactly the same, but it's like they've established those tight ends where it's like, they're legitimate. I mean, I'm, I'm, none of them are, like, all-conference amazing. I think Bingham's got a huge ceiling. I think the other do, too. The others do as well. But, I mean, for us to be having three tight end sets means that they feel like they've got three tight ends on the roster good enough to play in Big Sky games. I mean, that's awesome. All I know is I'm keeping Rensvold. He's not a waiver wire guy. He's, he's definitely a keeper for me. So we score. It's 31-7. Basically, that ends the half. Cal Poly had one play. Cal Poly gets the the ball to start the second half and comes out and puts together a five-play, 77-yard touchdown in a minute 31, so kind of an uncharacteristic Poly touchdown, which, again, going back to kind of their game, you don't you don't want to make them burn the clock. And when they come out and score like that, it's like, yeah, it's still a real t- tall road, but you're kind of letting them back in. Well, every game, Cal Poly has, like, one pass that goes for, like, 50-plus yards. Yep, this was 40. Because they run, 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 and they lure your safeties up uh, to support that run stopping, and and then they play action and and pop one over the top. 
And th- this happened. Like Mike said, 40 yards really flipped the field. Set them up for the quicker score. Two quick runs, but touchdown. You know you're going to give one of those up. Oh, yeah. You just can't help it. And I don't know if it was this one or there's another one a couple drives down where Calhoun just wasn't looking back and kind of got beat. The interesting thing about Calhoun is I think the more he plays, the more he's going to get used to that. But he's right with the guy. So it's like, it's just, you know, we talk about some of these guys and it's going to click. And Calhoun's another one where it's like, when he finally gets his feet under him completely playing cornerback and gets comfortable looking backwards, he's going to be a great cornerback because he was right with him, step for step. And it was just a great ball. And so he's a junior. Yep. Redshirt junior. So he'll have another year. I think next year we look for a huge jump from him. And it's like Nash is shutting down the other side. And it's like Brent kind of said last week, it's like he's got good stats and teams aren't throwing at him. So they score. They come out, they score. What do the Grizz do on their next offensive drive? Boom. Blow for blow, baby. Yeah. 10-play, 75-yard drive. It was awesome. Culminates with Eastwood running a 14-yard touchdown. Um, I'm pretty sure that Eastwood set his career-long rush <laughs> three or four different times this game. You know? Because he just didn't have any real long ones, but he had a you know, couple big ones. <laughs> big day of PRs for Eastwood. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he looked good, got over 100 yards, and kind of undersold in the whole breaking 200 last week was like we hadn't had a 100-yard rusher since McKenna Simmons, and before that we hadn't had a 100-yard... We hadn't had a, a halfback run for 100 yards since before Wynn was the starter. I mean, it's been a while. So that's a big deal. <laughs> so Eastwood finishes with 132 on 16 carries yeah. and 8.2 yards per carry, which beats your magical threshold <laughs> of 3.5 yards a carry. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. No, I think... Um, you got to be happy with it. So at this point, we're kind of trading touchdowns. It's 38-14, I think, at this point. Yep. And then Cal Poly goes on a 12-play, 84-yard drive, scores a touchdown, had another long pass in there. And you mentioned we gave up a ton of yards, right? But when all Cal Poly is really doing is chewing up clock and mm-hmm. trying trying to get back into the game... I think you're you're kind of happy as a defense to bend, don't break. I mean, that's really a phrase that I learned the first time Bobby was here. Yep. But I'm sure Bobby, just every time they run, he's just pleased, you know, as punch to see them chewing up clock. Yeah, I mean, it's like, obviously, it's like, sure, Bobby would want him to stop them three and out. But, I mean, he'll take, like, if they're going to score a touchdown, he'd rather them do it on a five-minute drive when we're up by that many than on a one-minute drive. Yeah. So it's like I think that the attitude changed a little bit in the second half of like make them run the clock. Priority number one is just keep them in, run the clock. So they score a touchdown. We come back. Nine plays, 62-yard drive, ends with a field goal. Capola gets the ball back, and again, they've got a 10-play drive, 53 yards, four minutes, turnover on downs. Again, Dante Olsen in on the stop. <laughs> that guy's a beast. Talk to me about Dante's day. So, Dante almost set the UM single-game tackle record. Um, unofficially, Tim Houck has it for 25 in 1989. Um, and apparently it wasn't a stat that the Big Sky tracked before 1990. So How didn't they track I know, that? that one blows me away. It's like sacks and tackles. It's like, you know, you've got all these, these traditionalists that talk about the way football used to be, but they... If you look at stats, they didn't track defensive stats because, like, you'll see it on sacks, too. 
I kind of think that's something we could retroactively go and look at. You'd think. <laughs> so Dante is the Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah. He's the Root Sports Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah. He has 12 solo tackles, 12 assisted for 24 total. 24 total tackles. He's now, I mean, he continues to be the leading tackler in the country at 79 tackles. 79, and he's the leading tackler in the big sky. Is he the leading tackler in the country? Yes. The next leading tackler is a guy named Ryan Brady from Holy Cross <laughs> with 70, or 62 tackles, which is 17 less than Dante. My, Dante is starting for the first time. Here's the thing, and I don't want to pick on anybody, right? But except except Bonzi, except Bonzi, fuck <laughs> Bonzi. We knew to be excited about Olsen coming into the season because everyone's like, "Oh, he's showing potential. He's showing potential." The more we've seen him, it's like he's showing more than potential. And I will say, you don't make this much of a leap in one off season, okay? Okay. So it's like I am now at the point where I'm really wondering how on earth he wasn't starting last year. Well, we lost Connor Strong. Yep, we lost Banks. We lost Banks. We lost the sweet kid that didn't get a lot of playing time, but he, he played special teams. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and those guys are those guys were good guys. But it almost makes me wonder, Stitt had a little bit of a, a penchant to play the older guy unless the older guy lost his job. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, Banks and Strong had both were both two-year starters. And... They just maybe didn't give Olsen. I don't know. But it's like when Strom was out, like Vika played in Strom in Olsen's in Strom's place rather than Olsen. And I know you get the whole inside linebacker, outside linebacker thing. But I just like the more I see Olsen, the more I cannot believe he wasn't more active on defense last year. He's good in the inside. Mm-hmm. He proved it this week against Cal Poly. He's great in coverage. Yeah, he's doing well. I mean, do you think he kind of got... I think... Here's what I'll say. I think that the coaches probably showed up, watched some film, and went to spring ball and thought, we have an NFL prospect at linebacker in addition to Josh Buss. Yeah. Right? He's so good. Yeah. You know, to some extent, there's a zone in which, you know, a person records statistics and you're wondering, like, is this a system? Is this an aberration or something? But he so far exceeds what's possible through just luck and a system that it's, I think, very clear to say he's a damn good linebacker. Yeah, it's too many games in a row for it to be a thing. And at this point in the season, he's already won the Defensive Player of the Week in the Big Sky three times. I'm trying to remember the last player, either offense or defense, who, who won it three times in a season. I think Gubrud might have last year. But it's like, he is entering some first-team all-big-sky territory here. If any of you, like, real esoteric big-sky conference uh, fans out there know, tweeted us, see what's the what's the record for the most time someone's won a, a defensive or offensive player of the week. Yep. That would be interesting. That's someone's homework. Yep. So we, uh, they, we stop them on downs. We get the ball back. Three plays, 78 yards, 45 seconds. Um, Eastwood had a breakthrough, 68-yard touchdown. We talked about it. The O-line opened a beautiful hole, and there was just nobody There was nobody on the second level. He just ran it in. I, I was kind of concerned for Eastwood. I was thinking, this is the longest this guy's ever ran his life. 
Like he's a, <laughs> I bet he's gassed. But you know the thing that I kind of liked is he didn't run out of gas. Like <laughs> some of our running backs, like Canada and Win, you know, going way back, like they would break the run, but they would often get caught from behind. You know, very rarely did they have like a big breakout. Eastwood, it was interesting. Well, what I liked about this too is this took it from you know, 41 to 21 game, like a three score game, which in some scenarios is like with a turnover or fumble, like maybe this is reachable and it throws it out to a 27 point game, right? Like it's so much harder to close that gap, especially when you can't pass the ball. There's no way you can run for four touchdowns in one quarter if you're Cal Poly. Yeah. So Cal Poly gets ball back, 12 plays, 72 yards, 72 yards touchdown. But at that point it's like, it, it's over. It's like 443. That's not going to cut it. Grizz get the ball back, have a great drive, seven plays, 70 yards, throw an interception in the end zone, which you hate to see. I think it might have bounced off Curran's hands and right into the defender's hands, just frustrating on a lot of levels. Then Cal Poly just kind of runs out the clock. Which is hilarious to me because they almost literally run out the clock. They get the ball back, like knowing they're down 20 points. And their first three plays were runs. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were like, we're getting reps for these guys running our offense. It makes me think, what is it to be recruited quarterback for Cal Poly? I, you know, do they recruit quarterbacks? Well, they, I mean, they must. Do they just recruit running backs and they're like, all right, the worst of you is going to hand off to the, the next best running back? <laughs> It'd be insulting. They're like, hey, we want you to play quarterback here. Yeah. You're like, all right, well, I guess I'll never have a sore arm. Yeah, no, you, you're right. You will never have a sore arm. So some highlights, some interesting things. Um, game was quick with a running you know, running game. Uh, Snead had 285 passing yards. Eastwood had 132 rushing yards. And Akem had 93 receiving yards. So we're still putting some stuff together with the receivers. Uh, things are getting better there. They're really trying to work Torrey in more, which... I think is necessary, and we'll talk about that. But they definitely have something going along with a Kem. So Smart Torrey had four catches for 42 yards. A Kem had five for 93 and a touchdown. Rensvold had two catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. So it's like got some versatility there. Solser had three catches for 15 yards. Bryson Deming had two for 16. Being had one for seven. I mean, the thing I really like about Snead is he really distributes the ball. Right? That's a lot of different guys catching a pass. Well, I think it is really emblematic of how many amazing options we have on offense. I mean, Jerry Louis McGee had two receptions for four yards. Mm-hmm. This is a guy I think that if, if you had as your starting, you know, X receiver, he catch a lot of passes. Yeah. But the thing that's great about it is it's like, good, we got, we got a game where Jerry didn't have to get the hell beat out of him. Yep. Right? Right. So on to next week, which is great. Uh, defense looked good. Hauk, in any other um, week, Robbie Hauk would have been probably our nominee for player of the week. He had 17 tackles at the safety position, which is crazy. And probably says a lot about how often they ran the ball and maybe how much they got through. But, um, you know, shown up by Dante Olson. Then our other two, our next two leading tackles after that were Robertson and Sandry. So, our three safeties had 37 tackles in this game. Probably a few too many. 
I just my hot take there. I just can't really emphasize enough how big it is for the Grizzlies to show on film that we can run the ball. Yeah, 183 yards on 22 attempts. That matters. We saw a nice run from Elijah Lee. We did. A couple. So, what's the deal? Is he going to get more carries? You know, Calhoun didn't play. You know, we know nothing about that, but I really hope that Calhoun is focusing on on his health because he took a vicious hit. So, yeah, Lee, Lee contributed. He had two carries for 25 yards. His long was 20. And he had a catch for 37 yards. So it's like I, it's nice to get him worked in. He's a good change of pace. Eastwood clearly is the coach's preference. I mean, for that much is clear, right? Mm-hmm. But you got you like you need two running backs. So it's good to see. You know, the Grizz. There are things that you could pick apart and say, well, that's not good. I mean, we gave up 32 first downs to Cal Poly, which is crazy. But that's option football. I mean, it is what it is. We had 285 yards passing, 183 yards rushing. I mean, we'll take that day. That's a good day. Yeah, really no mistakes from the Grizz, I think, until the very, very end. Yeah, no, I mean, special teams look good. No real botched moments. you got to feel good about that. This is on the road against a team that's kind of had our number for years. So you got to like that. So the Grizz moved to 4-1. and one. We've got um, Portland State at home for homecoming, and we'll talk more about that. Let's jump into the Big Sky a little bit and just kind of really quickly look at our picks and what's going to happen next week in the Big Sky. Really, the first game of last week was North Dakota went to Greeley, Colorado to play Northern Colorado. Mm-hmm. North Dakota won 38-13. Which, to be expected. I was kind of glad. Maybe I'm not glad, but it conforms with what I was thinking more about North Dakota after they kind of got, you know, I mean, surprised it, by Idaho State the week before. It was weird. I will say that I would rather the teams were going to play win than lose because if you talk about playoffs and stuff like that, it's like you want the teams you play to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, Portland State, Idaho, to nobody's surprise, Idaho did win, although it wasn't as amazing as you might have expected. 20-7. to 7. That's crazy. That's that's really the score? Huh. Hey, well, that's why I kept buying the Idaho stock last week, Mike. Shouldn't they have scored more? Portland State matures just like... God, you're full of it. <laughs> um, Eastern Washington, Montana State. Eastern Eastern won. Gubert had a great day. The Cat fans are going to say they held them to blah, 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 make some excuses. But let's talk about the Cats for one second here. Because they started Troy Anderson at quarterback again. Look, what the hell is Choke doing? I have no idea. They clearly have amazing linebacker. I mean, he's probably a better running back than he is a quarterback. Oh, absolutely. His positions go, like, he's probably a great linebacker. He's probably a pretty good safety. He's probably a decent running back. And he is a passable quarterback. And that's, I don't even mean he can pass. He's just like an, like an acceptable quarterback. Yeah, he's an athlete playing quarterback, not a quarterback playing quarterback. But, but they've got Rovid, who they're, I feel like they're playing hot and cold games with him. It, I mean, the whole thing makes no sense to me. And the ironic thing is, if you listen to Cat fans, like the one area that they're frustrated with on their defense is their linebackers. Well, you've got a freaking NFL linebacker taking snaps. Is this Choate's version of a dual quarterback system, trying to keep the defense guessing? I mean, if that is, Choke needs to be fired because that's a stupid... I mean, like, 
you do that if you've got like two good quarterbacks and you can't decide. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. But I don't. We could probably spend all day telling you what I don't get about the cats. So I have a cat friend in my life, and he seemed to be pretty optimistic. Uh, he really pointed out that uh, Gubrud had no passing touchdowns. But what the hell does that mean? They they scored thirty four points. They ran for four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean it. They did everything they needed to do to win. You know, you could spin it however you want. I know that it's the part of the season where whenever the Cat fans are frustrated by a loss, they start picking on the Grizz schedule or something else. But it was just, I can't believe that there are rational Cat fans out there who think that starting Anderson at quarterback is a good idea. I think they want Choate to be good so bad that they're lying to themselves. I think you're right. Uh, moving on. Northern Arizona at Idaho State. Uh, this one's the only game that you and I picked differently last week. You picked NAU. I picked Idaho State. Idaho State pulled the win. What the hell's going on with Idaho State? They've got something special going on. They're 2-0 in Big Sky. I did see that Case Cookus didn't play. Yeah. He's done. Something's... I mean, like, I wonder if we aren't looking at an, another medical redshirt year for Case Cookus. Which how, is, how many medical redshirts do you get? You know... I don't know. They scored a ton of points still. Mm-hmm. So maybe it isn't. Like, I want to say they don't have a starting quarterback. If they had Case, they would be so much better. But they seem to be scoring points nonetheless. I mean, maybe it's they're just not as good. Their defense gave up even more. Yeah. 40, 52 to 46. I just think that, that without Case, there's a mental hurdle that they're not overcoming. How can you give up 56 points? You can't hope to win. Oh my god. Also, 56 to 42, man, that's that is a lot of points. So Idaho State runs the ball really well. Mm-hmm. And apparently they with the former president, isn't, isn't their running back name's James Madison? Is that right? Is, yeah. He was the offensive player of the week in the big sky this week. Is tell me a little bit about James Madison, the historical figure. <laughs> well, there is a college in Virginia named after him, and they won the national championship two years ago. Do you think the historical James Madison is in the theater musical Hamilton? I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. Oh, boy. I've been hearing good things about Hamilton. Okay. And Montana beat Cal Poly, so we both picked that. Uh, you went 4-1 and one on the week, 35-11 and 11 for the season. I went 5-0 and oh on the week, 38-8 and eight for the season. Okay. Jumping into next week, we figure we're going to combine these into one segment because we don't want to talk about the Big Sky two different times. UC Davis at Northern Colorado. I think we're both picking Davis in that one, right? Definitely. Um, Nothing even really exciting to talk about except that I will be curious to see if Davis starts getting more respect because you look at the preseason poll and they were not picked very high. Yeah, all my casual Grizz fans still shit on Davis pretty hard. And they're good. Yeah, their offense is good. We'll see. So after that, Southern Utah at Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington. They're ranked, what now, fifth in the nation, fourth in the nation? Eastern's going to win that. And it's at home in Cheney. Yep. We'll talk about Grizz and uh, Portland State later. Weber State at Northern Arizona. I'm going to take Weber. They've won three in a row. If Case Cookus was back, this might be a good game. This was like the one tough game on NAU's schedule when everybody was thinking they could be top of the conference. But I, without Case, I don't know if they can win it. I mean, Weber's offense is nothing to be 
to write home about, but their defense is damn good. They're ranked number six in the country, so um, we're gonna we're chalking everything. I'm going Weaver. So this one's kind of fun. Idaho travels to Idaho State. This has to be Idaho fans like this is rock bottom for them. You know, they went back to the FCS. They had to admit that the FBS didn't work, and then their first season back, they've got to go play the school that they completely think they're better than in every way. Idaho State at Idaho State. Right. Is this has got to be a bowl, right? Is this a is this a rivalry game? I think I mean it probably is, but I think that it's one of those things where Idaho just thinks they're so much better than Idaho State at everything that I'm googling this right now. I really 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 want Idaho oh. State to win this game. This is the lamest game of all time. This is a rivalry game. All right. The Idaho-Idaho State rivalry, recently branded as Battle of the Domes. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, it's bad. So Idaho leads this 28-11. to 11. Um, Gosh, it's not exciting at all. The Battle of the Domes? That's lame. The last time they played this was in 2008. The last time Idaho State won was in 1995. What were you doing in 95, Mike? Uh, well, the Grizz won a national championship that year. Okay. So there's that. There's that. So this could be the first time in, I mean, since 95? How many years is that? A long. 20, 20 plus. 20 plus years that Idaho State wins? Who are you picking, Mike? Um, I'm picking Idaho State. I, I mean, it's at home. Idaho State's looking good. And I really, really, really want Idaho to lose. <laughs> Well, um, early in the season, I bought a lot of Idaho stock. All right. And the, this King of the Spud trophy is going to go to Idaho. All right. Um, last but not least, Cal Poly at Sac State. I'm going to pick Sac State. I'm picking Sac State as well. Um, anything else, Big Sky, we need to talk about? I need to bring up one thing. Okay. Cal Poly, what the hell is up with your TV feed? Oh, Lord. It's on, that's on my list to bitch about. Pluto TV, um, I don't even know if it was their fault because the game was produced by 11 Sports or something like that. But there were big chunks of the game, like half of the second quarter. We missed at least a touchdown. We missed the targeting where the camera was just like pointed at the Jumbotron. And you could hear the announcement. It was awful. You had to try to watch the game through the Jumbotron. On the field. Yeah. And it's like, I know that people were texting the UM officials who were there, like, go knock on the booth. I texted one of the guys in the athletic department, um, Colin Bonnickson, the former director of operations, tweeted out that he texted Tabor, and Tabor was like, I'll look into it. <laughs> it was an emergency, well, man. It's terrible. Like, the... some guy just went and took a crap in the middle of the game, left the camera, pointed at the other end of the field. You know, it's frustrating because I, on one hand, I get what they're doing. They're trying to make the games accessible to people everywhere. But there's no reason that they can't write into their contracts that the feed has to be also given to a local TV. Or, what the hell, just take the local TV feed, commercials and all, and put that on Pluto. I mean, they're not going to object to that. Uh, but the thing that amazes me is we talk about this conference, and I don't mean to be an elitist, but sometimes with this... There are haves and have-nots in this conference, and the Grizz are a have, right? Right. And there's a couple others. Like, 
if the Grizz could sell their own TV rights every game, they'd be on TV every game. If the Cats could sell their own TV rights every game, they'd be on TV every game. I think the same is probably true with Eastern, and I have to guess it's probably true with Idaho. Honestly, those schools should band together and say, look, we're not signing another TV contract unless you guys say that if Root Sports doesn't pick up the game, SWX has first right of refusal for any Cat, Grizz, Eastern, or Idaho game. And they would get it done because this is chicken shit. I happen to know the national sales director uh, that oversees the company that owns the SWX. Oh, <laughs> yeah? And she was telling me that the all Grizz games make a shit ton of money. It's a lot of work to put on. It's uh, a lot of work to sure sell the ads. Yep, I'm sure it's a lot but of work. But it makes on. money. You're totally oh, right. I think, SW, I, I almost guarantee you, it's like we could get Sean Rainey on here, and I bet you he would say SWX would do every game of the season if they could. And it's just that they're, they make these, these contracts for the good of this whole freaking conference and all 13 teams, some of them who have no business being in it, and don't have fan bases, and it screws over some of the actual fan bases. I mean, it's like, think about your parents. Like, does your dad have the ability to figure out the freaking Pluto stream? No, I, I was home this weekend helping my dad lay some sod and fix a fence. Actually, my uncle really did all the heavy lifting with the sod. <laughs> my brother and I did the fence. But if we hadn't been home, it would have been really difficult for him to figure out Pluto. And, yep. and it was still kind of... A, a crapshoot. Like, they couldn't find one work-study student who understood football it, it, to, like, just point a camera. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not... Like, I get the stream because I get wanting to make it available, but there's no reason you can't do both. And I know that it frustrates UM Athletics because it's not their call, but I kind of feel like if there's a place for the Cats and the Grizz to throw their weight around a little bit, that is it. Because the Montana fans want these games on TV. Like, real TV. I couldn't agree more. Oh, now you got me all worked out. So, in positive Grizz fan pod interactions with our fan base, um, we got a segment suggestion that I think Luke and I feel really dumb for not coming up with on our own. We're going to give you a couple lukewarm takes every week from here on out from none other than Luke himself. So, Luke, what do you got for us this week? Uh, so this is basically me giving... Not hot takes, not cold takes, lukewarm. but lukewarm takes. <laughs> it's a term that plagued me my entire growing up. <laughs> How we didn't come up with this on our own, I have no idea. My first lukewarm take. Original Triscuits are terrible. <laughs> That's all we had for so long, Mike. Yeah. Though, someone at Triscuits really upped their game. And in the last three years, we have like a billion varieties now of Triscuits. Mm -hmm. But I want to say like our entire life growing up, like you go into the closet, you're looking for a snack. Boring Triscuit. It was like, you're so boring. Your mom's like, here, put this horrible cheese whiz on it. It's going (laughs) to clog your young heart. In the show prep today, of all the things I thought you could talk about, I made no notes of Triscuits. So you've thrown me. That's a hill I will die on, Mike. Oh, that's a good one. Triscuits suck. <laughs> All right. What else do you got? Second take is I think Gregorak has peaked as a coach. You know, that's some might say that's a hot take, but it's a lukewarm take because he's no longer a hot coach. You get it? He's no longer a hot coach. We were so sad to leave him. He hasn't done shit for the Cats. Yeah. 
And people were like, we need him back. And you know what? I don't think we need him. Yeah. And before anybody tweets at us, Nate, I'm looking right at you, and says, well, his defensive game plans beat the Grizz the last two years. I don't think any rational football fan can look at the Grizz game, Grizz Cat games the last two years and say Stitt's defense or Gregorak's defenses beat us as much as Stitt and Seymour's coaching found ways to lose the Cat game. It was the inability of us to make adjustments. It wasn't this maniacal defense that just confounded us. But honestly, I just like, you know, I know a lot of people that really like Gregorak and we're probably going to get some hate for hating on him a little bit. And I'm sure he's a nice guy. But I feel kind of bad for him because it's like I think he left the Grizz to go to the Cats to make the make a splash, get his name out there. And so far that just hasn't worked out for him. Hey, dude, you chose your side. Lukewarm take. Mike, the Hotel Finland. What about the Hotel Finland? The Hotel Finland brings to you this episode. They exist in the great city of Butte, America. Butte, America. Following the model of the Murray Hotel in Livingston, Hotel Finland's owners are making major improvements to a historical hotel right in the heart of the city. And they also have the Cavalier Lounge. Inside the Cavalier Lounge, what can you find? The Smooth Hopperator. <laughs> I seriously want to go to Butte during our next away game just to try the Smooth Hopperator. <laughs> Will you come with me? Yeah, I think we can make that work. There was snow in Butte the other day. Ooh, all right. Well, Might have I'm, to wait. I'm, no, I'm still going, man. The Smooth Hopperator is a contraption that infuses your beer with fresh fruit and ingredients. Yum. And chills it to the perfect temperature for drinking, which is what I like. Works for me. So that's Hotel Finland, F-I-N-L-E-N dot com. You can go there now. You can book a room. They start at just $80 a night. Or you can get a whole suite for just over 100 bucks. Sounds good to me. Mike, do you know what time it is? Oh, man. I'm going to need you to fill me up, Luke, because I can't handle these segments on my own. It's time for the check down. So we're going to fill you up here, Mike. It's a kind of a customary... Uh, custom. <laughs> <laughs> Customary custom. But we've actually, the last few weeks recording this pod, we've been having growlers of the Hefeweizen at Conflux Brewing in Missoula, which is damn good. Conflux is a new brewery in town. We've got, we've got two of them, and Conflux is one. Uh, and on Monday night, they're kind of on my way over to Mike's house, and I like to bring a little growler of Conflux to sit at the Amish table. <laughs> And share. And tonight, we have one less person to share with. Uh, So that's a plus. And I brought the Hybrid Hef. Well, it's good. The Hybrid Hef is good. It's funny. We're talking about them way too much because they're not a sponsor of the show. So maybe you should go ask them to be a sponsor. (laughs) I love beer, Mike. It would be great because it's good. I went on a small brewery tour of the state this summer. You did. Really carved my teeth on Montana's Northwest breweries. I can't say that word, Mike. Brewery. I think you're doing all right. And the breweries, breweries in the uh, Bitterroot Valley. Uh-huh. Uh, and I can tell you what, this hybrid hef, hybrid hef is amazing. Clear, golden, inviting. Smell that. What's not the like? Biscuity bread smell. It's balanced and crisp. Oh, my God. You are, you are laying it on thick. Oh. I love this brew. Do you know what I like about it, Mike? Is that it's turning fall. It's cold. I had to scrape my windshield this morning. I have a garage. You have a garage, you <laughs> asshole. 
I'm scraping my windshield, and uh, usually at this time of the year, I drink a dark beer. But this is good in the summer and the fall. It's good stuff. I'm happy you introduced it to my life. Uh, next week, I think I'm going to bring a jalapeno-infused beer. Oh, man. I sampled it tonight. Was it good? It was delicious. All right. So, I guess that's a wrap on Luke and Mike's happenings around Missoula randomness. Mm. So, hit me, Luke. I'm ready. The check down. It's time for the check down. <clears throat> Buy or sell. Weddings in the fall. Oh, God. Uh, so, full disclosure... <laughs> My wedding anniversary is this week. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow or when you're listening to this pod, yesterday or the day before. <laughs> so obviously I love fall weddings, but I want to put a disclaimer out there. My wife's family owns a sports bar and we planned our wedding for a Grizz home game. I believe that everybody in Montana needs to look at the Grizz football schedule before asking me to go to a wedding on a home Grizz weekend. So with one giant asterisk, I am selling fall weddings. (laughs) You know, do your homework. And I'll tell you, I have missed two Grizz games for weddings in the last decade and a half. And both those couples have gotten divorced. Oh, no. So be happy that I'm skipping your wedding to go to the Grizz game, because if I skip the Grizz game to go to your wedding, bad karma. I feel like you're subtweeting someone. My wife is going to a wedding this weekend that I specifically was told, you don't have to go to the wedding, it's okay, by the bride. Well, she's just looking for the, out for the long-term health of that wedding. Yep, very bright young lady. All right, Mike, we need to focus. Focus. The point of the check down is you have to make quick decisions. You're checking down, making a pass. Dumping off. I probably got sacked in the pocket on that one. Moving on. Laser tag strategy. Run around or hunker down? Hunker down. Do trade deficits matter? No. Boof or devil, devil's triangle? <laughs> Are we doing the Kavanaugh definition or the real definition? I have no answer for this question. <laughs> Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 50 duck-sized horses? One horse-sized duck. <laughs> You're a man. Dante's Peak or Dante's Inferno? Dante's Peak. Dante Pettis or Dante Olsen? Oh! I'm going to go with Dante Olsen, even though I'm a Niners fan, too. Dante! Dante! Dante Olsen. Over, under, 13 tackles. Over. All right. That's the check down. Nice. We're getting better at this. <laughs> nice work, Mike. <laughs> that is my... That's the funnest thing I do every week, I swear. Okay, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's jump into the Grizz game this week. It's homecoming. Yeah. Which is great. Montana Strong. Montana Strong. My company has a float in the parade, so I have to be part of that. You have a long history in the float. Um, You know, I will say that I've pulled several floats over the years, and more than one time I've pulled a winning float. Back in the day, when Mike and I were residents life... Lifers. Lifers. Uh, we, we drove the homecoming float, and we won it. We won it. It was a big deal. How's your float going to look this year? Uh, well, we we contracted out the biggest chunk of the labor to the Hellgate High School shop class. <laughs> so we had them build us a playhouse that we're going to give away. Oh. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it was like killing two birds with one stone, because it's a great community thing, and we didn't have to do 
a whole lot of crazy float building. You need to at least tell us who you work for now. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, the managing broker at Berkshire Hathaway in Missoula, and we're doing a, we've got an awesome foundation called the Berkshire Gillespie Foundation. Um, and that's our charitable giving foundation. It dates back to before we were Berkshire Hathaway. Long ago, we were a company called Gillespie Realty. And um, we do lots of cool things every year, giving away over $250,000 to the community. And uh, we're going to pick a few uh, good causes in the community. And we're going to, on our Facebook pages, let people vote for which, which cause deserves the uh, playhouse. And they can do whatever they want with it. They can take it and auction it off to raise money. They can put it on their grounds for kids. They can give it to a family in their program. So we're doing cool things. Be on the lookout for it. Oh, thanks, Mike. We're also throwing out mini footballs. <gasps> How's your arm? Uh, I am ready. I have a thousand mini footballs in my <laughs> office. <laughs> Hit me, baby. Yeah, <laughs> we're good. So the Grizz are hosting Portland State University. Yep. Portland is one and four on the season, zero and two in conference. Yep, and more importantly, I mean they're like one and seventeen over the last two seasons. They're not great. They have never won a league game in Washington Grizzly Stadium. They're zero and nine. No kidding. I would have thought that they would have won one. No, they they've lost ten straight road games and twelve straight Big Sky Conference games. Though they beat us recently. Yeah, they we, they beat us. Um, Two years ago, when in Barnum's first year, when they kind of took the world by storm and made the playoffs. That was kind of an unusual game. It, it was pouring. It was pouring rain. And very sloppy, but they beat us, so credit to them. What, what can we expect from Portland State? So, you know, they're not very good. I mean, I don't mean to pile on them. I feel like for where they are in the country and how close they are to the schools, Oregon and Oregon State, they should be better than they are. Um, they're returning their leading passer from last year, a guy named Davis Alexander. But it looks like they've got a little bit of a QB rotation going. Um, a guy named Jelani Eason looks to be a little bit more mobile, although Alexander's got 200-plus rushing yards. Eason's got 30 attempts for 202 yards rushing. Um, neither one of them is putting up real pretty passing numbers. Yeah, they're, they've got four guys that have between 30 and 43 rushing attempts. I mean, they've really settled on Carlos Martin, who got their start last week in the, you know, in the lineup, and Darian Green and Sergio Hoffman. Mm-hmm. But this backup quarterback gets to run quite a bit. I see that they're young. They start three seniors on offense, all of which are on the O-line, and they start three seniors on defense. They also play, they also start three freshmen. Two are wide receivers. So... They kind of uh, are missing a lot of pieces. They're, I think they're stretched. Yeah, the, the one guy to watch out for, the wide receiver, and I struggle with his name, Tom, how do you, how do you think you say that? Tamo Pio. Tamo Pio. Is how I'm saying it. He, it doesn't mean it's right. He's averaging 25 yards a catch. Yeah, he has six catches for 94 yards over the last two weeks. Uh, he's their leading receiver. He's junior, kind of plays tight end. He was a preseason All-American and All-Big Sky Conference selection. He came out of the gates red hot, posted a pair of 100-yard games against Oregon and Nevada, mm-hmm. scored four touchdowns in those games. I don't know if they were those touchdowns were against their backups. I'm, I'm sure they probably were. But he seems to be the guy that we're going to key on. I'm telling you that if we only really have to pay attention to one person, the Grizz are going to be okay. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. So looking at the stats... 
Portland State doesn't blow away in anything. Um, year to date, the Big Sky, and we're using the season wide because I think it's too early to just use Big Sky conference stats. Um, Portland State is 11th in scoring offense, 25.2 points a game. They're 12th in scoring defense. They're giving up 42 points a game. Um, total offense, they're 9th. Total defense, they are 10th, um, which is interesting. They're probably their best single areas. Their pass defense, they're 4th, which means we're probably going to see a chunk of Eastwood and some ground and pound against them. The reality is that if the Grizz play the way they have this year, this shouldn't be a tough game. I think that's right. Um, in most things, it's not really about who you're playing. It's really about how what you can control and how well you play, right? So this kind of... We usually talk about what we look for from the Grizz to like ensure that we win. And I think that's what we have to focus on because... I think man for man, we're probably better at them at damn near every position. And we, we're going to have to go and execute. Uh, it'll be easier at home, but I would look for a balanced attack. I think the coaches probably want to keep the momentum behind the offensive line. They're going to want to pick up another victory for the O-line. They have to feel good coming off of last week. They're going to want Eastwood to have a pile of yards. I don't think they're going to want Sneed to be uh, as flashy and, and pick up as many yards unless he absolutely has to. That's something you want to save for a pinch. I look for Snead to kind of have a balanced passing game to spread the ball around. What do you think? I think that's probably fair. I mean, I think it's a game that Snead's probably going to take advantage of him on, on with his feet a little bit. But I think that on, on an opponent like this, you want to you want to establish and work on the things you need to work on. So I... We're going to continue to see the passing game evolve. I think the running game, they're going to hope that they can get the same type of output that they got against Cal Poly. Get Eastwood a good good week, good game, get the O-line feeling well, and we'll just see how it goes. You know, the Grizz have some things that were far enough into the season that you can start to feel good about. So question for you, a little bit of trivia. Who leads the Big Sky Conference in total offense? I would say it's Gage Gabrud. Gage Gabrud is second. Is it Dalton Sneed? Dalton Sneed. No way. Leads the big sky oh, in total offense. Three, I should have known. 334 yards a game. Gabrud's second with 317. Obviously, Sneed's down the list on pure just passing, but you combine his running and his passing, and through five games, he's leading the big sky in... I mean, he's electric. Does that blow you away? It's kind of crazy to think that a Bobby Houck quarterback <laughs> is putting up these numbers. It's a new era, for sure. It's a new era, but it's also, you know, it's a different offensive coordinator. We talked about it. This is a different offensive staff than Bobby had last time. I kind of think that it's, it's going to be a vanilla day. I think if we could get away with running some basic offense, we, if we can get away with it, that's what I think we want. Just because we don't want to show our hands, we don't want to like develop any film that's gonna like really indicate what we're fully capable of in this week. That's fair. I've got another one for you since I have this page up. Yeah. Um, Tim Semenza is leading the league in kickers points. How many points a game do you think Tim Semenza's? Tim Semenza is responsible for. 11 points a game. 10 points a game. Oh! The next best is a guy from Idaho State at 8.8. I mean, 
yeah, the season's still to come, but you gotta like where we're at, right? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to think of the sneaky ways that the Grizz are going to be good, I mean, having solid special teams, right? Like, teams lose games every year because of something like special teams. We lost a game already, probably, because of special teams. So yep. locking those small things up really make a difference in the win-loss record. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's just a lot of fun to see this team put things together. And, you know... Where they go, I don't know. They're 14 in the stats poll this week. I would say the Grizz are overachieving based off of what you could expect from a first-year coach. Coming in with a team he didn't recruit, losing your starting quarterback, having to flip wide receivers into DBs and defensive linemen into offensive linemen, right? Like, it kind of feels like we're doing like a little patchwork quilt here, but I think they're doing a damn good job. Yeah, you know, I you got to be happy with it. I think looking at the count, looking at the schedule, it did seem unreasonable, but I thought most people probably would have figured we would have lost a game by now. So, you know, I just hope they can keep it going. I mean, I'd, I'd love nothing more for this team to make the playoffs because that's a couple more weeks of practice and it's hell of an experience for a young team, right? Absolutely. I think it goes a long ways for future recruiting classes too. Obviously you want to win as many games as possible every year. It's I think we're at a critical junction. Um, I think the big sky is more difficult than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy to recruit top talent here. So uh, critical juncture. Yep, seems like so far we're doing well in the recruiting front too. So, you know, I, you gotta be happy with where they're at five weeks in. Four and one, we'll take it. PSU, I mean, I love not to let the cat out of the bag, but I'm pretty sure both of us are picking the Grizz to beat PSU. That's right. So, you know, if they can get that done, they're 5-1 and one going to North Dakota. I mean, start of the season, you say you're 5-1 and one at that point, you take it. And you're going to North Dakota, who's a good team on the road. Mm-hmm. At that point, you're playing with house money, which is a good place to be in yep. for a young team. 100%. I mean, I think North Dakota's going to be a tough game. I think that... For whatever reason, they got upset by Idaho, Idaho State, but I still think they're going to be a good team. I mean, they beat Sam Houston, so we'll see. Well, I think that kind of wraps up the, the Grizz. Grizz. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, one thing I want to talk about before we go is the Night Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, football. I'm not talking about Game of Thrones. No. The Night Watch is Hellgate. We, we talked about him. I raved about him last week. They got their first win in years. Mm-hmm. And what did they do this week? They turned around and they beat, they beat Billing Skyview. Two in a row. It's their first winning streak of any kind since 2002. Are you going to call this a streak? Uh, well, I think that if you haven't won two in a row since 2002, you call it a streak. That's a successful season. <laughs> I just think of the uh, major league when the coach is like, we've won two in a row. If we win another one... It's a streak. <laughs> but, but for Hellgate football, two is a goddamn streak. Two is a streak. I mean, 2002, to, to give you some, some, I guess, kind of the big picture there, we have a handful of guys who listen to this pod who are buddies with us who were on that 2002 football team. That was a long time ago. We've been out of high school for a long time. We're old. <laughs> 
So uh, they take on Missoula Sentinel, who's three and two. Missoula Sentinel just beat Glacier High in Kalispell. S P A R T A N S Spartan Spartan Spartans win. Oh my gosh, what was that? <laughs> Mike's a Spartan. I'm a Spartan. Uh, was the Will Ferrell character in that sketch a Spartan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was. I was just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, would you? like to see Hellgate extend the streak to three, or would you like to see your alma mater high school win? I would like to see my alma mater high school win. Um, so here's the thing about Missoula football, right? It, it's, with a few exceptions over the last three decades, it hasn't been anything real exciting. True. And the Spartans are putting together a pretty decent season on their own. They lost a couple of games, maybe they shouldn't have lost. But I want to see the Spartans go far in the playoffs just for the sake of I would like a Missoula school to do well in the playoffs. So I don't want the Knights to fuck it up. How come Missoula sucks at football? Uh, three smallest AA schools, and I think you've got a very diverse town as far as interests go. Soccer is a popular sport. Lacrosse is a popular sport. Okay. I think that the football coaches are doing a good job of building programs in a way that maybe they weren't when I was around. Big Sky was an exception. They were always really well coached. The Hellgate and Central coaches were real nice guys, but I think decks were stacked against them. So, anyway, I'm going for the Spartans. I wish Brent were here right now. Do you know why? Um, because I think that he needs to eat some Centerville Crow. He needs to eat about a 50-0 to zero Centerville Crow. Man, those Shelby Coyotes... I, I almost tried to do a coyote howl there, but I actually don't know what a coyote sounds like. <laughs> like, ow, ow. We're the, we're the um, what was the football movie with James Vanderbeek and Varsity Blues. That's the one I'm talking Varsity about. Varsity Blues. Were they the coyotes? They were the coyotes. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. I just remember that math teacher. <laughs> the stripper, you mean. The math teacher. Oh, okay. Teaching... The Pythagorean theorem and stuff during the day, and just you know, that's such a plot hole because conceivably, do you think somebody could on a regular basis work in a strip club until four in the morning and then go teach high school? You know, in between undergrad and grad school, for me, if you end this story with you were a stripper, I don't want to know about it. I was a bartender, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And I would stay up till two thirty, three, and I would have to be up. To substitute teach in the morning. I substitute taught Shelby High. And it's when I started drinking coffee. I was going to say, this is when you became a coffee addict. I needed it. And it was this like terrible Sam's Club purchased coffee. And I would come in in the afternoon and be dehydrating all day long. It was the blackest, most terrible coffee. And I just needed it physiologically to keep me awake. I'll tell you what, it's possible that 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 math teacher... She danced the go-go at night. But that don't make her a ho-no. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I think it's more of a commentary on society that our teachers need to strip to make ends meet. Oh, man. I, I have nothing for you. You're not wrong. So this is a circuitous route to say that the Shelby Coyotes beat the Centerville whomever. Uh, 50-0. to zero. Shelby's undefeated. I'm really excited for Coach Mike White. Uh, uh, shout out to quarterback Damon Irvin. Uh, I, I know some of his family, and if you turn tune into this podcast, you might hear periodic updates on the Shelby Coyotes. Because why not? Because <laughs> it's our goddamn podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you don't like what we do, start your own podcast, Bonzi. And finally, Mike, we mentioned it earlier, but I want to wish 
you and your beautiful wife a happy anniversary tomorrow. Well, thank you, Luke. I appreciate that. And she does, too. (laughs) (laughs) She's an angel for letting us come here every week. (laughs) She, tongue-in-cheek, posted on Facebook about us doing the podcast on our anniversary. I think that people thought she was serious. <laughs> so anyway, happy, happy anniversary, Stacey. I love you. I love you too, Stacey. <laughs> Luke was in the wedding. He knows. He was there. All right. Well, uh, with that, I think we're done for the week. And yeah, I think we better cut ourselves off. Tune in next week for more Grizz Fan Podcast. We got the good stuff. If we know you, we'll see you sooner. If not, talk to you next week. Go Grizz. Fight on.